I've got good news and I've got bad news. Which one do you want to hear first? I feel like whenever we're presented with a situation like this, where there's both good and bad news to listen to, often we want to hear the bad news first, we can get it out of the way, so that the good news can then come to to soothe the sting of the bad. But leading up to our verses for today, it looks like this is what Jesus was planning on doing for the disciples. It was the night of Monday Thursday, the very night that Jesus was going to be betrayed. And in that upper room, Jesus was telling the disciples all of the bad news things that were soon going to happen. He told the disciples that one of them was going to betray him. He told the disciples that he was going to suffer and die. He even told Peter that he was going to deny him three times before the rooster crowed, before that night even ended. And as if that wasn't bad enough, Jesus also told the disciples that he was only going to be with them a little while longer and that where he was going, they wouldn't be able to follow him. And all this bad news that Jesus was giving the disciples caused them great distress And their hearts were troubled. But now in our verses for today. Jesus, after telling the disciples all these bad news things, tells the disciples not to be troubled or distressed because of the good news that he was now going to reveal to them. Jesus says to the disciples, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I am going to prepare a place for you. Jesus forbids the disciples to be depressed over the news that he had just revealed to them, and specifically over the news that Jesus was soon going to depart from them. Because there is actually a beautiful purpose behind this event that was soon going to take place. That Jesus left his home in heaven and came into this world so they could accomplish his heavenly Father's plan of salvation. And when this plan would be fulfilled, and in the coming days it soon would be, well, then it would be time for Jesus to return to his home in heaven, where he would go to prepare a place for the disciples and all those who believe in him. And Jesus explains this in more detail to the disciples so they could understand the beautiful truth of what this meant for them. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to be with me so that you may also be where I am. Jesus was emphasizing that, yes, he was going to depart from them, but since he was going to prepare a place for them, well, it naturally followed that the day would come when he would return to take them to be in that place. So while Jesus was soon going to depart from the disciples, this wasn't going to be a permanent separation. And Jesus also gives the disciples the the added comforts and the beautiful truth telling them, you know where I am going and you know the way. The disciples knew that Jesus would be going to heaven and, and as Jesus mentioned to the disciples, you also know the way to get there. Or did they? 
Because upon hearing these words, Thomas speaks up for the disciples and responds to Jesus. Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? I mean, it seems like Thomas completely contradicts Jesus. But Thomas and the disciples truly did know where Jesus was going, and they truly knew how to get there. The problem was that their faith was still discouraged upon hearing all of these bad news things, and it seemed like this blinded them from being able to see the truth. And it really seemed like the big roadblock for the disciples was the fact that Jesus had told them that he was going to die. And they just couldn't wrap their minds around how Jesus was going to do anything after that had taken place. And so because the disciples were, were struggling with these truths that Jesus was revealing to them, and because their hearts were distressed and troubled, Jesus tells the disciples the greatest news so he could open their eyes and show them the beautiful truth of everything that was going on. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you would also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. You do know disciples. You know the place that I am going is to be with my Father in heaven. And notice how Jesus does not say to his disciples, I show you the way, I show you the truth, and I show you the life. Now, Jesus emphasizes that he is these very things, really showing the exclusive nature of the gospel, that there is only one way to get to heaven and one alone, and that's through Jesus Christ and him crucified. Any other way that someone tries to take, any other path that someone might try to go on, is a path that will simply lead to a dead end. And the reason Jesus is the only way to heaven is because as he said to his disciples, from now on, you do know him. And with these words, Jesus said this not because the disciples hadn't known the Father, but because the things that Jesus was soon going to do, the bad news things that he had just spoken to the disciples, that it would be through these very things that he was going to reveal the fullness of the Father's love to them. The disciples would eventually come to realize that Jesus needed to be betrayed and he needed to suffer and die on the cross so that he could serve as the perfect sacrifice for the sins of the world. The disciples would eventually come to realize that, that Jesus, after being raised from the dead, then needed to go and ascend into heaven so that he could be seated at the right hand of the Father, ruling over all things and prepare a place for them in heaven. And since all of these final acts which the disciples initially thought was bad news, were actually good news. Their hearts need not be distressed or troubled because it was actually going to be through these very things that Jesus was going to accomplish his heavenly Father's plan of salvation. And what Jesus was going to go on and accomplish it meant that Peter, who was going to deny Jesus three times before the end of that night, and the disciples, who were soon going to abandon Jesus, could remember these words that Jesus had spoken to them. 
know that God still loved them. Because Jesus was going to walk the path of suffering and death on the cross, they could know that Jesus was going to prepare a place in heaven for them, that Jesus was going to open the gates of heaven to sinners like them. And if the work that Jesus was going to do meant that Peter, who was going to deny Jesus three times later that night, and if the work Jesus was going to go and accomplish meant that the disciples who were going to abandon Jesus could know this amazing truth, could know that they had a place in heaven, the same is true for you. And no matter what sins may be troubling your heart, whatever sins may be causing you great distress, you can know that Jesus' work means the exact same thing for you. And this is because Jesus came to be the way and the truth and the life. He didn't simply come into this world to pay for the sins of some people. He didn't come into this world to give up his very own precious and holy life only to pay for the sins that, that we imagine to be small in our lives. He came to pay for the sins of the entire world. To pay for those awful sins that, that lead us to toss and turn at night. The sins that do cause us great distress and cause our hearts great trouble. That He came to win and accomplish salvation for sinners like you and me. And because Jesus came and accomplished this work, you need not be distressed or troubled at trying to earn or make your way to heaven. And you need not be distressed or troubled when you do fall into sin. Because you know that Christ, your Savior, is the path for you. The one who has forgiven you all of your sins and who has opened the gates of heaven for you and who assures a sinner like you that he is specifically and personally preparing a place in heaven for you. This was the great news that the distressed disciples were in so desperate need of hearing. That Jesus departing from them wasn't going to mean permanent separation, but that Jesus was going to depart from them so that he could go to heaven, prepare a place for them, and to know that the day was coming when he would return to take them to be with him for an eternal reunion. But upon hearing these words, we see another disciple, Philip, speak up. And he shows that the disciples still had some misunderstandings about what Jesus was saying. Though Philip said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father, and that is enough for us. It seems like Philip was thinking that if Jesus, who was soon going to be leaving them, would just visibly show them the Father, well, then that would be sufficient for the disciples as the crowning and ultimate revelation until Jesus would return to take them to be with him in heaven. But these words really showed a misunderstanding of what Jesus' mission and work really was. And Jesus, who was pained by these words, responded to Philip, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? But the one who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? I mean, Philip's desire was to, to visibly and physically see the Father right there in front of them. What Philip had failed to realize 
is that Jesus had already revealed the Father to them in far greater ways. That through the, through the words that Jesus proclaimed and teaching the truths of God's word, and through the miracles that Jesus performed, he had been revealing the Father to them for the past three years through his public ministry. And Jesus explains this to the disciples by saying, don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I am telling you, I am not speaking on my own, but the Father who remains in me is doing his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. That I and the Father are one disciples. And to make this oneness as clear as possible, Jesus points to the evidence of the words that he spoke during his ministry. That yes, the words were truly his, but they were also the Father's own thought and speech. And if the disciples still had doubts, Jesus provides them with even more evidence. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. And Jesus really instructs the disciples to think about all the miraculous things that they had seen him do. Miraculously healing sicknesses and diseases. Miraculously providing food for thousands of people on multiple occasions. Miraculously defying the laws of physics time and time again. And through all of these miracles, Jesus was revealing his heavenly Father's will to them. He was revealing that God was was a good and gracious God who desired not just to restore things like sicknesses and diseases, but that all of these things pointed to the greater restoration that God desired to give to all sinners that he desired to win for them spiritual restoration and to give them spiritual life. So look to these things, disciples, and you would see that I have showed you the Father in far greater and far more glorious ways. And so while Philip's question implied that, that simply seeing Jesus those past three years wasn't good enough, Jesus directs their attentions directs their attention back to him on the things that he had said and done to see that what they had heard him say and what they had seen him do was sufficient to truly know and to see the Father, to know his will and to know what God had desired for them. It would be so easy to shake our heads at the disciples seeing what they were going through here. I mean, how could they not see and realize that Jesus was sufficient, that the things they had heard him say and the things they had seen him do were enough to know that they had a place in heaven and that Jesus was the way to get there. I mean, what we would give to, to be able to spend just a day with Jesus and they had three years with him. But doesn't Satan lead us to do a very similar thing in our own lives? Doesn't Satan lead us to, to overlook Jesus and to think that he's, he's only part of the way for a, for a content and happy life here and now. That sure, Jesus has won for us eternal salvation. But what about the things I need here and now? I mean, if only God would, would take away the pain that I'm struggling with in my life. If only God would, would fix the broken relationship that I'm dealing with. If only God would fix our country to be what we so desperately want it to be, that if only God would do things like this, then I would know that he is truly God and that he truly has a good, perfect, and pleasing plan for a sinner like me. 
how we can fail to realize that God has sufficiently provided us everything that we need to be able to know his heavenly purpose for each and every one of us. And while God hasn't revealed that to us by by allowing us to physically walk and listen to Jesus for three years, he has sufficiently revealed himself to us through the means of grace, through his word, where he has revealed the teachings that Jesus proclaimed during those years of his ministry, where he has revealed the miracles that Jesus performed, where God has revealed that Jesus came to be the way and the truth and the life by fulfilling his heavenly Father's plan of salvation, by giving up his very own life on the cross, through the waters of our baptisms, where God has promised to wash away all of our sins, to make us a child of God, and where he's promised to give us a new man that desires to to serve and live and praise God for the thanks of what he's done for us. And through the Lord's Supper, where God himself gives us the very body and blood of our Savior for the forgiveness of all of our sins. Through the means of grace, God has sufficiently revealed himself to us so that we can know that our greatest spiritual need has truly been provided for. So that we can even know that we can have a content and happy life here and now because Jesus is also sufficient for that that Jesus has provided for us the greatest thing. And so as we continue to to look at him and to live for him, we can live with with peace, comfort, and joy. We can live without distressed and troubled hearts because he truly is the way and the truth and the life for each and every one of us. So do you want to hear the good news? Or do you want to hear the greatest news? This is really what Jesus was doing for the disciples in our verses for today. He told the disciples the good news that he was going to walk the path of suffering and death. And in accomplishing this work, he was going to win for them the the greatest news that they could possibly fathom, the forgiveness of all of their sins, a place for them in heaven, an eternal life where they would dwell with him and God in a place where there is no sin, where there is no hurt, in a place where they would dwell with God, now into eternity. And what greater news is there than this? And this news isn't just for the disciples. This news is also for you, that you can know that Jesus is now in heaven, preparing a place in heaven for you. Amen.